This is the Coach to Coach Podcast, episode number 42. Game time. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Coach to Coach Podcast, where we believe every kid deserves a coach that cares and every coach deserves someone in their corner. I'm your host, Nate Salee, and this podcast is sponsored by the Northern Kentucky Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it's made possible by our team of financial supporters, board members, volunteers, prayer partners, everyone who contributes to this movement of God we call FCA here in Northern Kentucky. Well, on this episode, we have Brad Rhodes. Brad is the founder of Grace Marriage, which is a nationwide marriage ministry that serves local churches. They also stepped in and were the main presenters at our Coach and Spouse Getaway the last two years we've had that. We have one each year on Martin Luther King weekend. So we're recording this in December of 2022, coming up on January 15th and 16th down in Lexington, Kentucky at the Embassy Suites. We're going to have couples from all over the state, from the middle school, high school, and even college levels. Every year, we get incredible feedback from the event, and we invite you to join us this year. So go to nkyfca.org slash getaway, nkyfca.org slash getaway. We'll also try to put that link in the show notes for more information and details on that. Also, if you're a first-time couple to that event, reach out to us and we can share with you a scholarship code uh, just as an extra incentive to take that leap and come that first time. You won't regret it. And shoot, we'll even refund you if you go and you feel like it wasn't it wasn't a good time. I promise. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and deal with the uh, little bit of the elephant in the room that's going to come up later. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so you don't get quite the same audio quality as you would normally do. We had to get creative, but we, we overcame, and this content was just too good not to go ahead and still ship it out to you guys. So you might hear some some odd noises or some you know, volume differences, so pl- please hang with us on that, and we apologize. We'll try to do better in the future, but again, this content you're about to listen to is too good not to uh, look over that. So I'm going to hop right in. Let's let's get into our conversation with Brad Rhodes. All right, we are here with Brad Rhodes. Brad, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing well. It's a little bit chilly, but that's to be expected here in December, finishing up a, a, a good semester. Uh, really excited that you're able to uh, hop on the hop on the show with us. We originally met uh, a couple of different times where you were actually the presenters for our coach and spouse marriage retreat, and you guys were just such a blessing uh, to us. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Uh, so just to kind of kick off things, we'd love to just hear, uh, just share with our our listeners a little bit of your 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 bio, your backstory, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Well, I grew up in Madisonville, Kentucky, in the Madisonville Maroon. I went to Furman University. I played college tennis there for four years and then went on from Furman to law school at University of Kentucky and graduated uh, in 1993. Started practicing law in Nashville, Tennessee from 93 to 96. Started Rhodes and Rhodes Owensboro in 96. Did that um, until 2015 when I made the natural transition from civil litigator to full-time marriage ministry. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, uh, that's just the quick plastic bios. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Thanks for, 
Thanks for sharing. So that is that is quite the transition. How long were you in having your actively doing uh, practicing law? Twenty two years. Twenty two years. Wow. So obviously, there's a little bit of a story there. The transition from from law to full time marriage ministry. What was what was some of the the catalyst for some of that, and and how did you all uh, come to that point? The catalyst. I guess it started back with our own marriage. Really, we. We had a great dating experience. Both thought we were amazing. Then we got married, and neither one of us thought either one of us was amazing anymore. <laughs> quickly, and uh, so we, we kind of followed the typical progression of marriage, where you you have a kind of a really enjoyable dating thing. You just kind of settle into marriage, and it was just you know I got busy, she got busy, she did her thing, I did my thing. Just wasn't wasn't that good. And then God trans completely transformed our marriage. One showed Meryl the sufficiency of Jesus. Like said, look, Meryl's. God just showed Meryl, look, I'm enough for you. You don't need Brad. I am enough for you. You can be his wife. You can be totally happy, totally joyful. Even if Brad never changes. And then, and then God broke me and um, showed me that, man, I just uh, was dominated by my career. Was a lot more creative in my law practice than I was in my marriage. Spent a lot more time in my law practice than my marriage. And there was a good reason that my law practice was thriving and my marriage wasn't. So, just made a commitment that you know I'm going to put time in my marriage spend a lot of time on Maryland, creative energy on Maryland. If we're going to do this thing that's called marriage, we're going to do it well. So started having a blast, um, worked with youth for about 12 years and once real Christian. And then the youth started asking us to do their premarital counseling. And we, I said, wow, they said, we want what you've got, what you guys got. That looks like fun. We started doing some premarital, more premarital. I don't know why God had given us favor with marriages, but we started a marriage group, had about a two year waiting list to be in it. And um, God just gave us the ability to help people move along in their relationships and then I was ordained pastor of marriage and when I was ordained pastor of marriage it just kind of gets to transition I realized that our church had premarital counseling and crisis counseling but we really didn't have anything for the marriage itself and I thought wow you know sheep without a shepherd tend to stray and I just saw there was no discipleship or no real shepherding in the marriage space and most marriages look pretty complacent and we had way too much crisis going on I just decided I was going to leave the law and we're going to fill that gap and make it such that if the Lord so moves that every Bible-believing church in America has an ongoing marriage ministry not too long from now. Made the big jump in 2015, and we've been equipping churches with marriage ministries ever since and uh, trying to help people do better in their marriages ever since. Wow. Thanks for sharing. I've come across a couple of those different issues, both the ones that that you mentioned that were just really profound. The first one, you said Marilyn coming to the place of he said the sufficiency of Jesus in, in her realizing that is he is he enough? And I think oftentimes well the opposite of that, right, is when we look to our look to our spouse to fulfill voids or needs that really only only God should be <laughs> tasked with doing, that we're are marrying another human who's imperfect. And if we look to them uh, for the, some of the needs that only God should provide for us, man, that is a that is a massive switch because the the alternative is only going to lead into into more pain and and missed expectations. And I, we've experienced that a little bit yeah. uh, in our relationship. Yeah Marilyn, told, yeah, Marilyn told me she said, "Look, my security, my beauty, my worth, my everything. It comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from you." And she goes, "So I'm off." She said, "I'm off your roller coaster." She said, mm-hmm. I am off your roller coaster. She said, uh, I'm going to, I'll get from Jesus and I'll love you. That's, it's going to, it's the way it's going to be. 
Yeah. How, how did that, what was your initial reaction to that? Because in some ways it sounds kind of freeing, but in other ways it might feel a little, I don't know, like what was your initial gut reaction? Well, it freaked me out at first because she's like, the way she started it, she said, I don't need you. And I mean, and the first thing I think went through my mind was, man, I knew it was bad, but it was that bad. Then she said, will you forgive me? She goes, I've been asking from you what only Christ can give me. Uh, frankly, at the time I was pretty dominated by myself and my own career so you know it was more just man i'm glad she's not going to be upset at me all the time and my life's going to be a little less painful you know so it's just more from a selfish front when she first said it and frankly marriage did get stable immediately because i mean she took the pressure off the marriage um now the lord wasn't finished because we, we went from a kind of a bad marriage to a stable marriage but then we didn't really move into a great marriage until god uh, absolutely took me out of the knees yeah no that that makes sense kind of both of those both of those happening at the same time and um and you mentioned just the 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 pull that we can have you know specific whether male or female but uh, you just tend to see it a lot um on the male side as well but just the the drivenness to excel with your career and not just time, although that's a huge part of it, but you talked about your mental energy and all of those resources and your creativity, how that's the place where we get the most affirmation and, and encouragement and measurable success, if you will. And uh, it's a little, and I, I can just see, you know, that's a, that can be a, a common struggle is, man, I want to, I want to put my head down, go to work, work hard and provide but then, you know, I could be winning in one area, but losing at home. And that's just a, that's just a poor trade-off. And I know you're not alone in that. I've had my own seasons where I've had to turn from that, but. Um, yeah. it's, you know, it's like, if you look at your marriage as a game, you know, like marriage, marriage is a thing you got to win. Cause if, if you lose at marriage, you lose everything. Mm. You know, it's, it's like, you know, somebody said, if marriage doesn't work, nothing else works. You know, your kids break down, your youth, your youth break down, your finances break down, everything breaks down. And, and it's like, I would just challenge coaches. I mean, be way more intentional in trying to make your wife feel extremely loved and precious than you are about coaching kids and trying to win games. Because at the end of at the end of the day, your your true legacy is going to depend more on how solid your family is and how well you love your family than games. You know, and it, it, it it's not just coaching either. I mean, I got sucked into the law practice. People get sucked into coaching and. And then, then marriage just gets fatigued leftovers, and then you have just a, a wife who feels unloved and isolated, and then, and oftentimes at some point decides, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you, yeah, you mentioned uh, legacy and which one's going to be longer lasting, meaningful, and then you think about, uh, I, at least from my perspective, I could see a, a coach who is. Has a has a good connection with Jesus. Their heart is right, and then if they have a thriving marriage and family, gosh, that is such a beautiful picture and a model for all for all of the kids that they will be coaching, and that only improves the legacy not only at home but then that ripples out into the circle that they're influencing as well. So it's actually it, it, it indirectly benefits your team as well on, yeah, to, on top of having the priority. Right. You know, you tell a team, Hey, we're not, you know, we're not doing this this evening because I have a date with my wife. You know, I've got a date every week with my wife. I do this, I do that. And coaches are extremely influential and that will influence your kids. When I was a lawyer and, 
you know, but if I didn't take phone calls during meetings unless Marilyn called. And when Marilyn called, I'd make a point. I'd tell clients, look, I give you my undivided attention and I don't take other calls, but there's an exception. That's my wife. When she calls, she comes through. So just a minute, I take the call right in front of them. You know, you want, so scripture says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Mm. And, you know, it is people that have influence, have ability to, to move toward that end. And you, you show it has honor among all when you give attention to it. You love your wife well. You just make a point to, to show your kids. And there's a, there's a soccer coach in Owensboro. I, I love him to death. I asked him, I said, but how's your, how's your team looking this year? And he paused. He goes, you know, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait 10, 10 years to see about that, Brad. I just don't know what kind of fathers, husbands, dads, and Christians are going to be yet. But man, I'm praying for them. Oh, it was really interesting because I, I was asking him, are you going to be any good? You know, but his, his perspective of coaching was so much bigger than OHS record. You know, and the reality is, I mean, I played four years of tennis at Furman. I played tennis four hours a day, you know, one Southern Conference at my devil's flight. I mean, how many people know or really care? I mean, I've got boxes that, I mean, box trophies and watch and stuff that, that if I hung up, everybody would laugh at me. You know, it's just, so it's easy to get just kind of pulled in. It, it doesn't matter. It's the law, coaching, whatever. You know, Satan tries to make things less important over things that are more important to ultimately break down our lives. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, such a good word on the the marriages to be to be honored, and that's something that I've taken and, and ran with. I remember the last within the last twelve months, you know, several different times I'll be sitting in a meeting and. And Caitlin will be calling me and I'll see the name pop up on the phone and I'll say pretty much that, that same statement of like, hey, I'm so sorry. I only take one call and it's from my wife. L- let me grab this and I'll get right back to you. And that's, you know, when that is the only call you take. But then when you when you actually execute on that, it, it does. It does say something. And I've never had anybody say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're taking that call or nobody's ever felt disrespected. It, you kind of get it, some different reactions of like, oh, wow, you know, it, it, it's, it speaks something for sure. So I, I appreciate that tip. That's something you've poured into us and I've actually applied, um, which has been good. My, yeah, my uncle, it's funny, when I was first in the law practice, you know, I didn't take Maryland's calls initially. And he, he saw my secretary take her call. He walked in. Now, he was an athlete. He was a great athlete. Henderson County Hall of Fame. He had minor league offer of baseball. Maybe I've been very, very strong guy. He came in, shut my door in my office and said, I, did I see Marilyn's message taken? I said, yes, I was in a meeting. He said, Brad, you tell me Marilyn's more important than work. You treat her that way. Don't ever let that happen again. <laughs> and he's like, man, I said, wow. So I called my wife. I said, man, Tom busted my chops. And he, she said, good. I'd call with a quick question. You wouldn't call me for three hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah, sometimes we need, we need something right right, right in the nose there. As, uh... well, the, well, the, well, the problem, the reality is, the problem is, like, you know, the reason kids get really good at sport is they're coached well. And the problem is you have nobody coaching us how to be married well. That's right. And then we're just stuck in this busy culture with cell phones, and then and we just settle in these functional, coexistent relationships that don't really have romance in life and aren't gospel attractional at all. So it's, you know, we almost need to find people or get involved in our church ministries or things, something such that we're growing, because people don't grow well alone. I mean, the very best PGA golfers, they have coaches. You know, everybody has outside influences to help them get better and better and i just encourage you to find that outside influence to help you get better and better 
Absolutely. And some of that, uh, a layer of that too, and I know it's a big topic that you bring up in some of your content is about communication. And so the calls during meetings have lessened because Caitlin, we also have a shared calendar. So she knows when I'm in meetings or different things. So now I know, man, if, she, if she's calling me and having known that I'm in a meeting, it must be something either urgent and or important. And I think that's that's a piece of it too, yeah. just kind of communicating. Yeah. It's well, it says, you know, the scripture in the in the garden, you know, when God created the earth, you know, everything was good, but one thing, it wasn't good that man be alone. Satan's strategy is to make us alone. So when you don't communicate with one another, in essence, you're giving into a strategy, and that's living in the same house alone. So when you don't share your emotions with one another, your bodies with one another, your spirituality with one another, and you kind of live kind of closed off you live alone and it's got to borrow the word to god it's just not good you know so so share your struggles share your victory share everything take the call and, and choose choose the opposite of isolation and that's oneness yeah that's so good wanted to give you uh, just room for sharing i know you have a lot we've we've had you know you've had multiple multiple uh, two-day, one-night conferences that you've led for our community with FCA across the state at our Coach and Spouse Marriage Retreat. Uh, but what would be, maybe one, what, during our time here, what would be one or two top tips that you think might be especially helpful for, for coaches in their journey? One would be schedule your life around your marriage, not your marriage around your life. So basically, get with your wife or get with your husband and say, this is how much time we're going to spend together and everything else just has to work around that to borrow from Stephen Covey's seven habits. There's big rocks in life yeah. and everything else has to fill in around that. And, and unless you do that outside pressures will ultimately fill your time and you will not have much time together. If you win that battle, if you win that battle of spending undistracted, that means no cell phones, not responding to parents, not responding to kids, you are totally focused and you you talk to your spouse daily and you date your spouse weekly, in most cases problems take care of themselves. So that would be that would be one tip. And the other I could give a thirty them. Another one is just it's a concept I call one a day. You know those one a day vitamins that they yeah. say if you take this one pill a day, you'll be less likely to break down, you'll be more healthy. You know, to, to, to borrow the one-a-day concept, just think, just one thing a day that I can do for my spouse that will show them that I'm thinking of them and that I love them. It could be vacuuming out the car. It could be picking up a cup of coffee. It could be straightening the closet. It could be just think of something you wouldn't ordinarily do just to communicate love. And I know you mentioned our dirty fish tank thing. Um, but, you know, we, we were talking beforehand, like, Think of something your spouse is just wagging on your spouse that bothers your I remember Marilyn was gone one time. I looked out at her and we had this fish tank that just stunk like it was awful. And it hadn't been cleaned out in forever. And they cleaned out all the rocks, cleaned it all well, put it up. And my, my wife came in. You, you thought you'd hit the Powerball. I mean, that thing just, I mean, I, mean, I was like number one in the world but it's like i took care of her dirty fish tank so we have a session basically like what are the dirty fish tanks in your spouse's life that you could just kind of fix to make your spouse's life better but also to portray sacrificial life so those would be the two one time together two one a day because growth is through consistency you know you don't not many coaches will say we're going to practice once every other week this year we're going to practice we're going to try to fit in a practice once a month it's it's consistent ongoing investment 
something grows that results in something beautiful. And that's the same thing in marriage. You consistently spend time together and then you consistently sacrifice and love one another. That's so good. I remember having that shift of not just having a shared calendar, but then we would do, and we just did one recently in December, Caitlin and I would get together. It's ideally a whole day. Sometimes it's a half day, but just to celebrate the wins of the previous year and look forward to the next year and what we want to prioritize. And something that we started doing is you have those recurring things in the Google calendar. And so we would put, Hey, every other Thursday is date night. That way it's already on there. And then it's on there to where we need to, we need to move it. If, if something, you know, big comes up and, and something's conflicting with that, we at least need to move that to a different day instead of just deleting it. Now, have I been guilty of deleting it before? Yes. But I think having that already in there as something that, yeah, that big rock is going in first is big because it can be one of the first things to go already is that intentional time with your spouse. And if it's not even scheduled in the first place, it's really not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it basically say don't schedule over your wife or don't schedule over your spouse. I mean, it's, I remember when I was in law practice, I'd never just not show up for court. Well, something came up, you know. Well, <laughs> I told him I'd be in court. I'd be in court. I mean, you know, how many coaches? You know, it's like you know, it's kickoff, and you know, where's Coach Johnson? Well, we had you know something came up. You know, I had to run. <laughs> I had to run a couple errands, I had to do this. I mean, no. And we, we tell people our marriage is more important than our work, but in a heartbeat, we schedule over our spouse, but we never schedule over our work. So you need to kind of flip that priority. I just thought, you know, when I X off time of the calendar, Marilyn's more important to me than the judges. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to prioritize her as much as I would people in my, in my work. You know, so it's just, it's just a paradigm shift where, Marriage is important. I'm going to treat it that way, and everybody else is going to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I love that. And the, the, the consistent, the one-a-day thing, I, I think you're getting a whole lot of amens from our listeners, especially those who are coaches, because they realize, as, as do we, yeah, those consistent, even seemingly small, even at the time might even feel insignificant. But when you stack those small things over time, they become really massive deposits in your relationship. And it's kind of like working out, you know, the first several, you know, however many days or weeks you're working out, you don't see the immediate results. But at some point you start getting into better shape. And I think something might be similar in marriage. It's like it's not going to happen immediately. The very first time you do something small, it's not going to totally transform your marriage in an instant but if you do enough of those consistently at some point along the way you're going to notice man we're at a whole new level right now and this is awesome and people people who say well we went on a date two weeks in a row and it didn't make a difference but please you know i I worked i went to planet fitness twice it didn't make a difference in fact (laughs) i was sore you know or or i'd never played basketball and i went out and played twice and i'm still awful you know it's just it's (laughs) it's really silliness it's 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 long-term ongoing investment prioritization that over time create something fun, beautiful, and gospel attraction. You basically say, for me in the house, I'll serve the Lord. For me in the house, I'll prioritize my spouse. And we're going we're gonna to get better and better at this every year for the good of our family and the glory of our God. Yeah, I know we've we've just been mentioning a little bit as far as the the date night piece, but I just think that's a that's a very practical thing that people could take and, and run with after listening to this. I know uh, remind me as well if there's if there's more nuance to this, but I remember you encouraging our group one time that pre whatever the date night is to take at least 
you know, even if it's just 10 minutes to really think through, uh, well, A, like, you know, as far as far on the guy side, take initiative to maybe take care of the childcare, like don't have that be, you know, on your wife for that, but then take 10 minutes to think about how could I make this a memorable moment or think through where you're going or maybe another, I don't know, like getting flowers or, or some other, some other piece or just having some more thought behind it. Just a small investment yeah. there can make those, those date nights, not just, um, normal but man they could really be impactful yeah you don't want to get in the car and say so what do you want to do you know <laughs> where do you want to eat you know it's just i mean it's like that's not romantic it's not intentional i mean it's like you know you know i keep using coaching analogies but showing up at practice you know and telling so, so what do y'all want to do today you know or just show up practice with absolutely zero plan okay what what you it's things go well when they're intentionally planned and intentionally executed Period. Mm-hmm. So if you think of what would cause my, what would my wife enjoy tonight? What would make it a better night to her? And then intentionally executing. It doesn't have to be super expensive. You know, my wife and I haven't talked a lot lately. So we're going to, if it's, if it's not zero degrees, like it is now, just, hey, we're just going to go get coffee, sit by the river and talk for two hours. She would love that. And then just carry it out. But but every time, just kind of think through what it is. One one strategy we use, Nate, is we take turns planning the date. We just kind of give each other a selfishness pass. And basically, one date, Mel does whatever she wants to do, and I'm just along for the ride. And then the other date, I do whatever I want to do, and she's just along for the ride. So she's ridden a cart while I played nine holes, and then we've gone to Legend Sports Bar, watched the Cardinals, eating onion rings, hanging out, and she can't complain if I glance at the TV while we're talking. So... No, I love that because then you also, when you have that permission to to plan your own date night and kind of cater it to your your preferences, you're also kind of learning what other what your what your spouse loves doing or likes doing. Because if they don't share it, but them having the platform to do that and in that pre agreed upon permission to like, no, this is this is totally your preference tonight. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, I think that's a, that's a yeah. great, great angle there. And it also, you know, we, we want to bless one another. I mean, we sometimes don't give each other enough credit. We love one another, and we want to, we want the other person to feel loved. So on dates, I want Marilyn to do what she wants to do and want her to have a good time. But a lot of times I have trouble figuring out whatever that is. <laughs> right. So when we, do, when, we do this, when we do this switching thing, you know, I know she's getting to do exactly what she wants to do. And I'm, and I'm, and man, it's frankly easier too. I don't do a lot of thinking. You know, I mean, I don't, we, she did, I don't even pick which car we drive. When we sit in the restaurant, I don't even order. She orders for both of us, and we split it. So literally, I get a complete mental break. She enjoys it, and we have a ton of fun here. One time, I pushed back. She went to go over to Newburgh. It's about a forty-five minute drive. I said, "Babe, I've been driving a lot." I said, "You know." If, and she would go to Newburgh. She smiled and she said, "My day." <laughs> so, so we went to Newburgh. I had a great time. So. Oh, that's excellent. Well, something I I tend to tr- try to anticipate or think of, or just you know, being empathetic to you know the coaches that are listening would be, you know, what are some of the the hurdles that we have to get over? I mean, I, you have I guess time or money or different things, or what are some of the things that have kept people from scheduling the the date night and then also being intentional with it yeah big hurdle is you know we, we want people to be pleased with us we just do so it's it's hard to say no to other things it's hard to disappoint other people you know because everybody wants our time mm-hmm. you know so so for me you know it's hard to tell a couple i can't meet with you in the evening because i've because i've got that set aside for my family you know it's we all want everybody to like us 
And so we have that temptation of perpetual availability. And so, so one big hurdle is, 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 you know, is saying no to other things and disappointing other people for the benefit of your family. You know, I heard one, I heard one book said you can either be liked by all or respected by all, mm. you know? And I think when you, you know, live a life true to convictions, you grow in everybody respecting you, even though people would maybe prefer you be at everything, do everything. I mean, because the reality is, if you work 90 hours a week as a coach, a lawyer, or whatever, people can tell you how great you are. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's the big trap, you know, that you, you know, to some degree, the more you fail in your marriage, the more people tell you how amazing you are because you're spending so much time in your profession. I mean, when I was, just dominated by ministry and work and wasn't really giving Meryl much attention. Everybody just told me, man, you know, what a devoted, amazing guy I was. You know, so everybody else liked me but her. Right. That'd be one of the finances. I mean, coaches don't tend to be overpaid, you know, and you got (laughs) to, so, so finances is a big one, but there are creative ways around that one because most, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of free date things. You can trade off babysitting with another couple. You can, you can do coffee. You can, there's just a lot of things you can do for free. The thing about dating is spending time together and connecting. It's not like showing how much money you can spend on one another. It's, it's just showing how you intentionally desire to pursue and, and be with one another. For sure. Well, the yeah, the trading off the babysitting is a big deal. Where you yeah, have another couple, where you watch their kids one week and then they watch yours the next week, and uh, it can yeah. be uh, yeah, definitely a money saver. And the first one you mentioned, I think that is that is very real because the are the, the older I've gotten, and I'm I'm 35 now, but I I have learned that my my no percentage or my no muscle has has, has gotten almost by necessity has, has had to get stronger and stronger. Uh, if I'm going to still have time at the house and time with Caitlin, because we get way more invitations and opportunities than we know what to do with. Um, yeah. And the better you get at something, the more people ask you to do stuff. That's and right. the more you say yes, the more they ask you to do stuff. I mean, Frank, when I started saying no more, people started calling me and asking me to do stuff less, mm. you know, because they, cause they'd go to somebody else they'd know to say yes. And so, so just, um, you know, just just having those strict just having those strict boundaries, you know, in place, and um, yeah, it's that that that's that's a big one. And, and something I've learned too, and then we can we can transition was I think how we communicate back to people when we want to honor and respect them, but if we're responding to emails at 11 p.m. or responding to texts like really late into the night or clearly off work hours. I think that also speaks to other people and conditions them to expect a response at, you know, almost 24 seven, if we give that to them initially. And I think that's something that it isn't, it doesn't mean to do that. If you put that thing on your phone where it says, you know, notifications are silenced and off. So when they send you a text, you see that, you know, they don't expect a response because they don't think you got it, you know? So, but but you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's and a lot of people kind of a badge of honor to on at midnight or two in the morning or 11 and say, you know, wow, look, look, look how hard I work. And I'm thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not married to you. <laughs> well, and, and I know Outlook has that. I don't know if Gmail, I know we're getting the weeds a little bit, but there's a schedule send button where there's been a couple times recently where I've needed to get some work done l- later at night after the kids gone to bed and I can respond to an email, but it will schedule send it the next morning at like 8 a.m. or something. And that's, yeah. uh, that's another little, little, little workaround. Yeah. 
It is. Um, you know, you mentioned the communication piece, Nate, which is so important. Make sure your spouse just has a open line to criticize you. You know, I think somebody told me the best test of spiritual maturity is how you respond when criticized. Are you are you, you defensive? You get upset. You get this. You know, if you're not a safe place for your spouse to speak in into you, you're probably not going to grow because your your spouse is going to have frustration, but they're not going to share it because it just didn't work it because it's so just painful to talk to you about them. Yeah, and yeah, that's a big deal. Of how how do we receive those, and do we believe? That man, if they're bringing it to them, if they're bringing it to us, you know, it must be important to them. And and who else? If it's not our spouse, that's safe enough to be able to talk through some tough stuff, man. Like who else is, is there? You know, yeah, that's that's a good word. Well, hey, I want to, uh, Brad, I um, want to honor your time. I would love for you to just kind of share w- with our listeners other ways they can connect with you, how they can maybe reach out or kind of kind of website, what you guys got going and, and how they might engage even uh, their church and what you guys are doing. What we do is we work with local churches. So we, our big vision is every, every Bible-believing church should have an ongoing marriage strategy. And we equip them curriculum, promotion, everything you would need, we provide. And we just help implement that. So if your church doesn't have an ongoing marriage ministry, which most don't. Either A, they've got nothing, or B, they'll just do an event or a study here and there. It needs to be an ongoing strategy. Or reach out to us at um, gracemarriage.com, or you can email me at brad at gracemarriage.com. And we'd love we'd love to help you. Because what we want to do is completely change the paradigm on how people do marriage, from stagnant and complacent to active and creative, from functional coexistence to full of life, from dull to full of fun. Because right now you've got marriage in decline, but if 40 to 50 percent end in divorce and the rest of them look pretty boring, I mean, why would a younger generation be drawn to that? So what we want you to do as coaches is to be married in a way that draws people to marriage and makes them can't wait for the day that they get to do what you're doing. So if you don't, if your church doesn't have an ongoing marriage ministry, join us. Now, if your church won't do it, we have we have Grace Marriage at Home, so you can actually subscribe and get on an investment platform. When you go to uh, gracemarriage.com, you can click the individual couples part or the at-home part, and then you can uh, sign up for that as well. But, man, we got to have a movement, man. If, if we lose the family, we lose, every, we lose everything, and we just can't sit back and complain about lost people acting lost. We need to just act like believers who believe the Word and then live it out in our marriages. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, I know we've corresponded a little bit. There was a book that came out a number of years ago called The Good News About Marriage, and it just shows that, yeah, there's – the divorce rates are abysmal, but that a active, engaged faith where both couples are a part of it, where there's prayer and worship and Bible study and, and there's a, a mutual engagement in their faith, man, those those rates just, just drop a little bit. So there's oh, there's a tons of hope in what you're talking about and what you're offering. And the stats aren't as bad as we think. And we never actually like we lost this thing for marriage. Now, there's a ton of amazing marriages out there, and the divorce rate's not nearly as high as people say it is. And the... the the rate of second marriage is making it's much higher than people think it is. It's just what we need to do is just change the reality of how it's experienced. Because there's right now, there's a reason for the stereotypes. Yeah. You know, the ball and chain and dull. Because, you know, a lot of people live it out that way. And let's, let's live it out that way so we completely rebrand marriage and create a whole new list of adjectives um, 
you know, for the institution God created. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, a healthy marriage is going to be uh, the best team that we could ever be on <laughs> in, in our lives. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, well, well, Brad, is there anything else that we haven't haven't mentioned or talked about that you love to love to share before we before we wrap up today? Yeah, I just you know just just the influence the influence coaches have. I mean, I, my tennis coach it was really interesting. We had a guy on our team who was a Division One basketball player that walked on the tennis team to maybe play two sports back when people would try that, and and he turned out to be an amazing tennis player. Went to the round of four Division One turn up this tennis player to ever come through Furman. He said one coach that, that took a sport I loved that made me hate it, and another sport that took a sport I didn't care about that made me great at it. Wow. Yeah, so so it's like the influence you can have on marriage when they see you adore your wife, when they see you date your wife, when they see you it could be husband if you're a female coach, but when they see you treat your spouse like that, you don't realize the impact, you know, the impact and influence you have, you know, because people do life basically how those that influence the mo- them the most do life. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so your marriage is so much bigger than your marriage. Um, and, and good coaches set up people to succeed in life, not just to have a good high school or college career, which then ends and they're spit out into the, you know, in the, in the world of work. So realize, man, you got a huge opportunity. And, man, and plus, I, I learned life is so much better when things are clicking in the home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, Brad, you are a, you've been a blessing to my life and my marriage. You've been a blessing to many, especially in our, our community as well. Uh, a couple of different times you've, you've led our conferences and uh, through the online content as well. It is a, it is a much needed uh, space you guys are in. I'm so grateful for you all uh, kind of taking the baton and, and, and flying, the, flying the flag um, wherever God's moving. And so, yeah, we just invite all of our, all our listeners to either look into the Grace Marriage at Home or to start a conversation uh, if you're at a home church because this is it is a affordable and the, the return on investment is just unbelievable and it's a no-brainer. Um, so we just encourage you to do that. So, Brad, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, we look forward to, uh, man, where God's going to take this. Hey, thanks, Nate, man. You guys have a great day. Well, thank you so much for coming on for another episode of the Coach to Coach podcast. Wow. I hope Brad encouraged you, inspired you, and gave you some ideas that you can take away today, this week, this month, and act on. Again, we are grateful to uh, partner with other staff across the state to put on our Kentucky-wide coach and spouse marriage getaway. This happens every Martin Luther King weekend, but we invite you to this coming one, January 15th and 16th in Lexington. Go to nkyfca.org slash getaway. And also, if you found this podcast valuable at any point, uh, we would love for you to rate and review, and it would help us to help more coaches and get the word out about this. And also encourage you, uh, final final ask, if you will, is to share this with at least one other coach that you know that you think might benefit from this. We would greatly appreciate that. We want to continue to build the community uh, of coaches, and uh, we would you know, welcome your input as well. If you have guest ideas or topics you'd love to hear from, we want to serve you as well as we can. So until next time, keep growing, keep learning, and keep changing lives on your team and in your home.